Chapter 10. Cleansing. In the same way that there are required conditions in order to obtain salvation, before someone can be justified, for example, conviction of sin, repentance, and faith, there are also conditions for full salvation, for being filled with the Holy Spirit. Conviction of our need is one. Conviction of the existence of the blessing is another. But these have already been dealt with. Cleansing is another. Before anyone can be filled with the Holy Spirit, their heart must be cleansed. Scripture, and God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He also did to us, and He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Acts 15, 8 9. God first cleansed their hearts, and then He gave them the Holy Spirit. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? if we are filled with something else. The heart must first be emptied and cleansed. The milkman has called on his morning round, and the housewife hears his call. There's a jug standing beside her on the table. It is her own that she purchased only last week. She picks it up and looks into it to see if it is clean. She finds it is not. Now she would never think of taking that dirty jug for the milk, but she empties it and rinses and cleanses it and then, having wiped it dry to her satisfaction, she takes it out for the morning portion. If she brought the container out to the milkman, dirty, he would positively refuse to put his sweet new milk into it. So a heart may belong to God, that is, it may be the heart of a Christian man, and yet not be a clean heart. Until it is cleansed, God will refuse to put into it the precious deposit of the water of life, clear as crystal. A new heart is not necessarily a clean heart. But someone objects, I thought that when one became a Christian and was made a partaker of the divine nature, he had a clean heart. Not necessarily. Many are born again, are pardoned and justified, and yet do not have a clean heart. Forgiveness is one thing, and cleansing is another. Someone may possess the former without possessing the latter. For instance, take the case of David in Psalms. He was one of God's people, a restored backslider, when he wrote that psalm asking for a clean heart. Scripture, The Lord also has taken away your sin. 2 Samuel 12.13 Nathan said to him, But forgiveness, as great and sweet as that gift was, was not enough for Israel's now so deeply taught and penitent king. Scripture, Create in me a clean heart, O God, David cries. Psalm 51, 10. This is something over and above being born again, over and above and beyond and deeper even than forgiveness. Compare Psalm 51, 2 and Jeremiah 33, 8. See also the New Testament teaching on this point in 1 John 1, 7, which says, The blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin and in 1 John 1, 9, where we see, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is the cleansing of verse 7 the same as the cleansing of verse 9? Most certainly not. The cleansing of verse 7 has to do with the guilt of sin, with sin after it has been committed. This is the only sense in which the blood of Jesus cleanses. It washes white as snow from the guilt and stain of actual transgression, and that cleansing is retrospective. Now, 
This cleansing of verse 7 is the forgiving of verse 9. Both of these words relate to a sinner's justification. But the cleansing from all unrighteousness of verse 9 is something different from something over and above the forgiving of verse 9 or the cleansing of verse 7. Otherwise, if they mean the same thing, wouldn't the author be guilty of redundancy? The cleansing in verse 9 is prospective and refers to holiness of life, to our being saved from sin and from sinning. And you will notice that it is not the blood of Jesus that does this, but Jesus Himself, by the exercise of His almighty power. There is a great deal of confusion on this point in many minds, a confusion fostered, if not produced, by some of our hymns. Powers are sometimes attributed to the blood of Jesus and to the death of Christ that belong to Jesus Himself, to the living Christ. We are saved from sin's condemnation by the blood, cleansed from the guilt of all sin, forgiven on the grounds of the blood, and in this connection we cannot possibly make too much of the blood, or too much of the death of the Son of God. But we are saved from sin's power by Jesus Himself. Scripture, And you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Matthew 1.21. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Romans 5.10. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. Preventative Cleansing The blood cleanses in the sense of washing the sin away after it has actually been committed. He cleanses in the sense of preventing and restraining from sin. He keeps us back from sinning. He makes us more than conquerors over sin. Romans 8.37, Jubilee Bible. In this blessed sense, prevention is better than a cure. How often does a mother say to her child, when putting on a clean snow-white dress in the morning, Now, my darling, do keep it clean. Yes, mother, and she intends to do so. But unfortunately, despite her intentions, at dinner time she comes home with her pinafore about as dirty as she can make it. Now, the mother can wash it and make it clean again, as white as ever, but this everlasting washing is weary, wearing work. So the blood of Jesus can cleanse from all sin the garments that are brought to it for cleansing. And what a great deal of cleansing it has to do for some of us! But wouldn't it be just splendid? for a hard-working mother, if she could put some power or other into her child, her own self, for instance, by which the child would be kept from making the pinafore dirty at all, so that it would not need washing. Wouldn't this be a vast improvement, even on making it clean after it has been made dirty? This is just what Jesus does. He puts a power within the child who trusts Him. That power is Himself by which the believer is kept from defiling his garments by any known sin, so that they do not need washing. This is what it means to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. But there are whole battalions of God's saved, forgiven, and cleansed people, cleansed in the sense of 1 John 1.7, who are not cleansed in this sense, cleansed in the sense of verse 9, who are not yet saved from the power of some besetting that is constantly present or obsessive, sin or other. Don't we know some Christians who, as has been well said, are like well-supplied cruet stands, 
Take of them whichever side you like, and you will get something either hot or sour, peppery or vinegarish from them. And yet, someone can scarcely doubt their conversion to God. What are we to say of these cross-grained, or fretful, or worldly-minded, or covetous, or pleasure-loving professors of religion? One would fear to judge some of them, and say they were utter strangers to God's regenerating grace. No, but one will say that what they deeply need is a clean heart. What is a clean heart? The question then arises, what is it to have a clean heart? What is it to be cleansed from all unrighteousness? It is to be saved from our sins, according to Matthew 1.21. It is to translate 1 John 3.9 into practice. No one who is born of God practices sin, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. It is to have a blameless conscience, Acts 24.16. It is to be conscious of nothing against myself, 1 Corinthians 4.4. It is, in the words of another, to be saved from all known conscious sin. But, someone objects, that is perfection. It's amazing how frightened some people are of being perfect. It would be good if they were equally afraid of being imperfect, for it is imperfection that grieves God. This dread of perfection has been called by someone a scarecrow set up by the devil to frighten away God's people from the very finest of the wheat. What we should want is the perfection that is not only allowed, but also commanded in the Word of God. But it is not absolute perfection. It is not sinlessness. Let's look carefully at the expression, from all known conscious sin. We are saved from all, yes, all, not some or nearly all, but from all known sin. That is, known to us, though not from all sin known to God. Saved from all known conscious sin, so that one might be able to say in the language of the lowliest of the apostles, Scripture, In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. Acts 24, 16. The lowliest of the apostles also said, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 4. Or, in the language of the disciple whom Jesus loved, we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. 1 John 3.22 To have a clean heart, then, is to be saved from our sins, saved from sinning, saved by Jesus. Take note of this. Not saved by our own efforts, by our watching and praying, or wrestling and fighting and struggling, but by Jesus. So it's not a question of what we can do, but of what He can do. Scripture, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Genesis eighteen fourteen. Can't He keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy? Jude twenty four. Can't He save from sin and from sinning? Isn't this what is meant when it is said, He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him? Hebrews seven twenty five. Able to save, as Matthew Poole puts it, to perfection, to the full, to all ends, from sin, in its guilt, its stain, its power. Yes, he is just as complete, as perfect, 
a Savior from the power of sin as He is from its guilt and stain. He is equally powerful in each department of His saving work. But after all is said and done, and someone is being saved from all known conscious sin, saved from sinning, this is not to say there is no sin remaining. We are face to face with the inspired statement, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. 1 John 1 8. How much sin might there be in us that we are entirely unconscious of, but which is naked and open to those eyes like a flame of fire? Revelation 2 18. A clean conscience. I am conscious of nothing against myself, cries Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 4, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. God may and does know much against me when I know nothing against myself. It is exactly here that our constant need of the cleansing blood comes in. If the Bible doctrine of the clean heart meant the eradication of sin, a state of sinlessness, that is, absolute perfection, then what need would we have for the cleansing blood at all? Though Jesus Christ may have cleansed us from all unrighteousness, so that we have a blameless conscience, so that we have nothing on our conscience, yet we need the blood to cleanse from the sins our eyes fail to detect, and of which our conscience has no awareness. It is failure to see this that has led many astray at this point. Having been cleansed and having no more conscience of sin, Hebrews 10, 2, Jubilee Bible, they imagine they have no more sin. How superficial some people's idea of sin is! How little conception they have of the Pauline doctrine of sin! He speaks of sin as utterly sinful, Romans 7:13. How subtle it is! How far-reaching! In their daring ignorance, some have actually taken the penknife, like Judah's foolish king, and cut a whole petition out of the prayer the Lord taught his disciples. He taught them to pray, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6 12. But these modern lights in their darkness are correcting their teacher, and have cut out that petition and thrown it away. We have no need to confess our sin, for we have none to confess, and therefore we have no debts to be forgiven. Poor, mistaken people! There is never more need of confession and forgiveness than when they are speaking this way. The holiest of men are the ones who lie the lowest before the Holy One, confessing that which they know only too well, because the truth is in them, that they have sin, offering the sacrifices with which God is ever well pleased, a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Psalm 51, 17. The nearer we get to the one whose hair were white like white wool, like snow, Revelation 1, 14, to the Ancient of Days, his vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool, Daniel 7, 9, the more conscious are we of the dullness of our whiteness, of the vast difference between our whiteness and his whiteness, and this consciousness humbles a person. Short of Glory What is it to have sin? What is sin? a great leader once asked and he answered his own question this way, It is to come short of the glory of God, 
and in this sense we sin every moment of our lives in thought, word, and deed. Is there a man on earth who can stand before the infinitely holy one and say, I do not come short of your glory? If we speak this way, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1 8. We may be helped here by observing the difference between the two New Testament words blameless and faultless. Scripture, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is to be preserved without blame. Scripture, To make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. Jude 24. A person or work may be blameless, and yet not be faultless. This is not verbal hair-splitting, by no means. Bear with me for a personal illustration. I have a letter lying on the table beside me, which will illustrate the point at hand. I received it when I was away in New Zealand on a mission tour in 1891. It was from my eldest daughter, then a child of five years of age. It reads, Dear Father, I wrote all this myself. I send you a kiss from Elsie. The fact of the matter is that it is not writing at all, but an attempt at printing in large capitals, and not one of the letters is properly formed. There's not as much as one straight stroke on the page. Why is it that I prize this letter and keep it stored away among my treasures? Fathers who are away from home as much as I am will understand when I say that it was my child's first attempt at letter writing. Now, this letter that I prize so dearly is certainly not a faultless production. It is as full of faults as it is full of letters, but it is most assuredly blameless. I did not blame my child for her crooked strokes and answer her with a scold, for I judged her work by its motive. I knew it was the best she could do and that she had put all the love of her little heart into it. She wanted to do something to please me, and she succeeded. By the grace of the indwelling Christ, for you will perceive that it is His work, Scripture, Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 This is what our daily life, our daily life work, may be, namely, that we are blameless. And He can tell us that it is, even as I told my child. So we may have this testimony that we are pleasing God as Enoch was. Hebrews 11 5. Without blemish or fault. Oh, the joy! Oh, the inspiration of this God given testimony! But what a sad mistake for anyone who may have been made blameless by grace to think they are faultless, a condition that is to be found only before the throne, in the presence of his glory. Jude 24. For it is to be noted that the Greek word amomos, translated without blemish and without fault, is never used of God's people on earth. It is used once of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless. 1 Peter 1.19. Elsewhere, it is used of the saints. In Revelation 14.5, they are unblemished before the throne of God. In Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. 
In Ephesians 5.27, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless, when in the sweet by and by he will present the church to himself. In Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Chosen in the past eternity, that we should be holy and unblemished in the coming eternity, not here, but there, not now, but then. For the word translated as before is the same Greek word katanopion that is translated in Jude 24 as before the presence of. In Colossians 1:22, to present you holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Here he is speaking again of our future standing. Because the word translated before is the same as in Ephesians 1 4. Without blemish, then, is sinlessness, having no sin. Scripture, if we say here on earth that we have no sin, are sinless, without blemish, faultless, flawless, we are deceiving ourselves, but no one else, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1 8. The person who has the truth in him, knows only too well that he has sin in him, though he is cleansed from all sin by the blood, and though he is cleansed from all unrighteousness by the might of the uttermost Saviour. It is most important and humbling to notice how the Spirit of truth has placed that part, if we say that we have, present tense, no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, in between his two statements about the cleansing from all sin and the cleansing from all unrighteousness. But though we will never be able on earth to say with the truth in us that we have no sin, that we are without blemish, yet the whole Bible teaches us that in this life we may be saved from our sins. Note the difference between sin and sins. We may be saved from sinning. Scripture, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 1 John 2, 1. This is the condition described as a blameless, unreprovable, and without reproach. See where the Greek word anikletos, unreprovable, is used in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 1 Timothy 3, 10, and Titus 1, 6-7. See also 1 Timothy 3, 2, and 5, 7, where the Greek word is anipileptos, without reproach. See Matthew 12:5 where anaetios guiltless is used. See 2 Peter 3:14 where amometos blameless is employed. Also see where amemptos without blame is the word used in Luke 1:6, Philippians 2:15, 3, 6, and 1 Thessalonians 2:10, 3:13, 5:23. Blameless, not faultless. These words describe a state or condition of heart and life that is not only attainable here, but is also imperative, and the passages we have just been listening to prove that it has been attained. This is what is meant by a clean heart, to be blameless, not faultless. I was sitting alone in the twilight, with spirit troubled and vexed, with thoughts that were morbid and gloomy and faith that was sadly perplexed. Some homely work I was doing for the child of my love and care. 
some stitches half-wearily setting in the endless need of repair. But my thoughts were about the building, the work some day to be tried, and that only the gold and the silver and the precious stones should abide, and remembering my own poor efforts, the wretched work I had done, and even when trying most truly the meagre success I had won. It is nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. I said it will all be burned. This useless fruit of the talents one day to be returned. And I have so longed to serve him, and sometimes I know I have tried, but I'm sure when he sees such building he will never let it abide. Just then, as I turned the garment that no rent should be left behind, mine eye caught an odd little bungle of mending and patchwork combined. My heart grew suddenly tender, and something blinded mine eyes with one of those sweet inspirations that sometimes makes us so wise. Dear child, she wanted to help me. I knew twas the best she could do. But oh, what a botch she had made of it, the gray mismatching the blue. And yet, can you understand it, with a tender smile and a tear, and a half-compassionate yearning, I feel her grow more dear. Then a sweet voice broke the silence, and the dear Lord said to me, Art thou tenderer for thy little child than I am tender for thee? Then straightway I knew his meaning, so full of compassion and love, and my faith came back to its refuge like the glad returning dove. So I thought, when the master builder comes down this temple to view, to see what rents must be mended and what must be builded anew, perhaps as he looks o'er the building, he will bring my work to the light and seeing the marring and bungling, and how far it is all from right. He will feel as I felt for my darling, and will say as I said for her, Dear child, she wanted to help me, and love for me was the spur. And for the great love that is in it, the work shall seem perfect as mine, and because it was willing service, will crown it with plaudit divine. And there, in the deepening twilight, I seemed to be clasping a hand, and to feel a great love constraining far stronger than any command. Then I knew, by the thrill of sweetness, t'was the hand of the Blessed One, which should tenderly guide and hold me till all the labor is done. So my thoughts are never more gloomy, my faith is no longer dim, but my heart is strong and restful, and mine eyes are unto Him. A clean heart does not mean sinlessness, eradication of sin, or that sin is taken out of us. For although sin is taken out of the heart that is cleansed, for a clean heart must be clean, the flesh, the self-life, still remains in the person. It is latent, if not patent, ready to manifest itself should the counteracting power of the indwelling Christ the Saviour be withdrawn for even a moment. This flesh is evil, Romans 7:18, and therefore while the flesh is in us, Sin is in us, hence our constant need of the cleansing blood. As we trust for continuous cleansing, we get it. The blood cleanses, present progressive tense. It goes on cleansing. Therefore, guilt is never allowed to gather, for as sin appears, the blood cleanses it away and so keeps us clean. Blessed present tense. Thus it is possible for us always to walk in the light. Then, as Christ exercises His counteracting power over the flesh, we are being cleansed from all unrighteousness, delivered from doing the not right 
and by continuous trust in our omnipotent Saviour, we may know continuous deliverance and continuous victory over sin. We never need to know defeat. Victory A Christian mother had just kissed her little daughter goodnight and was busy in the dining room arranging the table for dinner when she heard little feet on the stairs. Wondering what was the matter, she slipped into the window recess and hid herself behind the curtains and waited. After a little while, the little one came into the room, went straight up to some peaches that were on the table, and she took one of them away with her. Oh, the agony in that mother's heart! She did not speak to her child, but standing where she was, she spoke to God, her father, and asked him so fervently to speak to her child. God heard that cry, and in a little while the sound of the pattering feet was heard on the stair again. The child came into the room, not knowing her mother was there, and went on tiptoe over to the table where she put the peach in the place from which she had taken it. She turned away with a radiant face, rubbing her hands with delight. That's victory. Yes, the cleansing means that, and more than that. We are more than conquerors, for when Jesus cleanses the heart, He cleanses the springs of our action and our being, so that our very desires are purified. The desire to sin, the want to, is taken clean away. This is coming off more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Romans 8.37, Jubilee Bible. Glory to His name. The man now wants to do the will of God. He likes what God likes. I thought you could do what you liked. A young man hurled this taunt at a friend of his who enjoyed full salvation when that friend refused to go to the theatre. I thought you told me you could do what you liked. So I can. Why then won't you come with me as I asked you? Because I don't like, was the response. The only people on earth who enjoy perfect freedom are those who have clean hearts, for they not only know that they ought to do the will of God, but they also want to do it, and they like to do it. And furthermore, they have a power that enables them to do it. On the other hand, in our jails and hospitals, you will find people who thought they could do as they liked, but they have discovered they were mistaken. Cleansing and Act in the Moment Some may wonder, but how am I to get this clean heart? Peter answers, and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Acts 15 9. Cleansing is God's work and the condition on which God will do His work is faith on our part. There is only one way of getting anything from God, and that is by faith. We obtain forgiveness and the new birth by faith, and we obtain cleansing of the heart by faith too. You may and you will get cleansing the moment you definitely trust Christ for it. We I get what we gang in for, was one of Duncan Matheson's favorite expressions along the line of God's revealed will, how true it is. If you will only trust in Christ for cleansing from all unrighteousness, He will do it for you now. Scripture, Woe to you, O Jerusalem! How long will you remain unclean? Jeremiah 13.27 Why not now? Cleansing is a crisis, an act in the moment, and not a process. But as Principal Moule of Cambridge has very tersely put it, cleansing is a crisis with a view to a process. 
It is just here that multitudes of God's people miss the track. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace. Of course it is. It is a growth, a gradual process, but cleansing is not sanctification. The latter, in the sense in which it is being used here, is a theological term that embraces all the Spirit's work in the believer between the cross and the crown. But cleansing is an action. While sanctification is a growth, cleansing is one of the conditions of growth. The very reason why some who hold most firmly to the theory of gradual sanctification are growing in grace so very slowly is because they have not attended to one of the most essential conditions for growth, namely this cleansing. But, someone objects, this is not in the standards of our church. That may be, but it is in the Bible. To quote the words of a saintly Dr. Andrew Bonar, I believe all that is in our standards, for I find all that is in our standards in the Bible. But I believe more than is in our standards, for I find some things in my Bible that are not in the standards. The point is the simple and very obvious reason that you cannot get a quart into a pint measure. While every honest churchman believes that all that is in the standards of the church to which he belongs is in the Bible, no one in his sane senses believes that everything in the Bible is to be found in the standards. The doctrine of a clean heart is one of these things. In support of the statement that cleansing is a crisis, an act, something done in a moment, the same way as conversion is, and not a process drawn out indefinitely before one can reach a state of cleansing, let's think over David's prayer in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart. Is creation an act or a work? Is it a crisis or a process? All the Creator had to do was to speak the word, and David's prayer was granted, and then he could turn his prayer into thanksgiving. I thank thee for having created in me a clean heart. But he could not thank God for what he had not received. Giving thanks for the clean heart would prove that it was in his possession. Note also that heart cleansing is God's work alone. We are exhorted to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, 2 Corinthians 7 1, which simply means separation from all the palpable, manifest evils. Paul had just been listing, such as yoking with unbelievers, unrighteousness, communion with darkness, affiliation with Belial, the devil, and unfaithful people, idols, and unclean things. See 2 Corinthians 6 14 17. In reference to all such things, God says, Cleanse yourselves. The aorist tense used in the original Greek denotes a definite, decisive act. Separate from these things at once and be done with them. And where are we to get the enabling power? In effect, God says, Draw a check on me, draw on my resources for all you need. For all God's commands are God's enabling. But when it comes to be a question of cleansing the heart, the inner being, the springs of action, that part of the person where the affections and the will are seated, God manages that himself. He says, Bring that to me. If this work were left to us, it would be a slow and tedious process for sure, and progress might be made backwards, as unfortunately it so often is. But now the question is not what can the believer do by his efforts to overcome indwelling sin, 
but what can the Almighty God do? It is not a question of our power, but of His. Twas most impossible of all that here sin's reign in me should cease. Yet shall it be, I know it shall. Jesus, look to thy faithfulness, if nothing is too hard for thee. All things are possible to me. He is able and willing to cleanse. Are we willing to be cleansed? A Means to an End Another mistake to be carefully guarded against is our making cleansing to be an end instead of a means to an end. Cleansing is not the blessing that we seek, it is only a means. The end is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Cleansing is a negative blessing, the separating from sin, but we can only be satisfied with a positive blessing. When the housewife cleans the house, does she go out afterward and live in the yard? No, she cleans the house so it may be the more fit for her to inhabit. God cleanses, empties, sweeps, and garnishes, Matthew 12:44, that he may come in to dwell, and if he, the Holy One, does come in and take up his residence, he will keep his dwelling place clean. This cleansing of which we have been speaking is one of the steps into the blessed life, but there is not much likelihood of anyone living the life unless they first take the necessary steps into the life. It is a life of purity, and it is lived as it is entered upon by faith in the Son of God. Hence the name by which the Spirit-filled life is sometimes called, the life of faith.